I'll start with my first favorite question. I've asked this multiple times. What's the bonhomie between uh, Islamists and communists? I've never understood this. And is it only an India phenomenon, or is it also seen outside of India? It's seen outside. It's uh, men. It's global, I should say. Because like um, there is a favorite uh, phrase that uh, saying that Islamists and leftists are bedtime partners. In the sense like uh, even if you see like uh, in international fora, most of the times you find like Islamist uh, uh, objectives are taken to very sympathetically or they are heard sympathetically and other uh, or the alternative things are like uh, um, undermined. There is a lot to do with this I, I think. One is to do with their like, uh, see when it comes to India, uh, coming uh, men, uh, examining under India scenario, like Islamists always had that kind of an anger towards India since partition dynasty, it, it, it rather to say it's not anti-establishment it's uh, again to say anti-India because it's not specific uh, to only one kind of a leadership ruling or like against the government so there have been some negative feelings right from the beginning and then they are slowly gaining ground so uh, that is one aspect and another thing which is like uh, they have ample funds or the petrodollars and another thing is like so to say they have even the radical ideology okay which together like uh, make them like um, what do you say feel alienated or they want to uh, mean uh, there is a number of aspects to it to say that like uh, um, leftists find some kind of a congruence or they have the same kind of uh, objectives as Islamists in number of ways. See they, uh, they are basically they, they are anti-Indian forces. So anti-Indian forces always try to join hands. Okay. They want to, uh, what do you say, I mean, come together for a, uh, which are like, uh, which uh, men, both of them have their uh, same interests. See, like, um, I, I'll just tell you one example to this. Uh, um, Umar Khalid is close associate of Hem Mishra. Hem Mishra has been a trusted courier of GN Sai Baba. Okay. And Umar Khalid is JEM sympathizer. He's known to be a JEM sympathizer. They have been like, a, there has been a friendship between both of them. They work on their common agenda, burying their uh, differences. When you ask why the bond bombing, if you study the Trace it historically, it goes back to Stalin first giving a call saying that the, uh, the aims of uh, ours and uh, the Islamic population is one and the same. He gave that call, no communist would dare oppose you know, that. That's 
I mean, the history goes to that. Please, you know, if anyone is interested, <laughs> they can trace that. I have asked this to communists that, you know, why you have, and he says that it comes from our God. Basically, it's that. There is no other reason, right? After there have been many differences, but ideologically, Stalin saw that if he were to say that they are same, it will help Soviet Union to expand into Middle East. So it goes, for, you know, it comes from that. Nobody has challenged it so far. Right. In communism, you don't challenge. You accept That's what it. comes from Marx, Lenin, and Stalin, and Mao, right? Even though, you know, the last one is very different. That is why it continues. The Bonhomie will continue for this reason itself, until someone challenges Stalin's uh, ideology. Even all the academic institute yeah. across the world are soft towards Islamists. All, all of them. No. So for the communists and Islamists are concerned, there is a basic line, one. And the basic line is, change the form of governance. You have to overthrow the present government, whatever it is, and replace it for the communists by the communist ideology, for the Islamists by their ideology. So both of them have the same basic line. That is overthrow of the existing governance systems and replace it what what they claim is the best. And for this purpose, they are willing to adjust and sit with each other and undertake whatever are the options available to ensure that the governments of the day, especially democratic governments, are overthrown. Thank you. Uh, to, uh, just to add a point to this, uh, one of the elite uh, terrorists who was like um, arrested has revealed that they are in talks with uh, Naxals. Uh, to cooperate their act, uh, to collaborate in their activities in Jharkhand. So that is the kind of uh, bonhomie that exists between these two. India specific case, one more reason is that India being a soft state. Mm -hmm. So the bonhomie has one more reason. In fact, we can add another. Poverty is the main thing. You see the Muslims over here in India, the communists in India or even China, whatever, that they are both general like in poverty range. So they are like, this is, this is why again I said the anti-establishment, whatever. So even in the, in the uh, other side, like Arabia side, the, you know, the, only the, the Yemen, which is uh, in comparison to Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, Arabia, they have all the Kashyyyks and all that. They, they cannot be communists. Yemeni people are not very money people. So they are mostly the like communist or left. So I think poverty is also one of the reasons. This Kacharum, Kacharum Majumdar, I think he started this in the next right movement. That was after the poverty of the peasants, farmers. So, I just wanted to ask you another thing, the Charu Mazumdar, he was a, like urban Nelsonite or he was uh, out of the, out of the, you know, See, it, most of the, most of the people who were uh, inspired by this ideology have been people uh, or like well-read individuals 
who are uh, like who have romanticized this utopian ideology but so so to say that this this is actually an urban nux, not nuxalism i should say it has been an urban phenomenon and slowly it has um, infiltrated or moved into rural areas so that they escape that kind of uh, scrutiny which is there in urban areas like when you enter into jungles it is very difficult to catch or trap a person what he or she is doing but when you are in uh, urban areas they say that uh, urban areas are the centers of enemies so in in uh, enemy operating zones they may not be conducive for these uh, 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 people with this kind of ideology so has so to like uh, bolster that ideology or to or their ultimate uh, uh, objective of armed struggle they have to move into interiors or the hinterlands so we have to understand the little bit of the past history of the agrarian movements in our country the zamindari system which existed and which still exists to a great great uh, or i mean in many parts of the country even today especially in bengal the zamindari system was very very strong and even after the zamindari system was abolished it was found this tibaga and chobaga you must have heard about it how the zamindar used to the land the share cropper had no authority or anything over the land he would be there for two generation three generation and still have nothing to call his own and this was an ideal ground for the nexalites to say that you are killing the land this chap is sucking your blood you better do away with him and we know that many hundreds of zamindars were killed in andhra pradesh in uh, Chhattisgarh, Chhattisgarh, Bihar, yes. So, this is basically an agrarian problem, and the problem has still not been sorted out completely. And in the absence of development, it continues. It's only now, the last few years, yes. that we have started even laying roads. And so long as the agrarian population is not sorted out, we will continue to have the slight problem. And there are always people who will take advantage of it. Exactly. But you know, it's very interesting that in Pakistan, this zamindari system is all over the land. But here, the leftist movement has not even taken the birth. Zamindari is all over Pakistan. And it's very interesting. In the Hindu charter that we are working on, there the second point is banning of FCRA. Yes. So. You know, one of the points was that there were some forty-five thousand organizations before the current uh, regime came in, and which is now down to about twenty-two thousand. But only the defunct organizations have gone, yes. right? Only ones they were not filing. So it, it there is really no fall in funding, or it's not that they have gone after funding all the organizations like PUCL and all the others that you mentioned. Um, not that. See, the funding has increased. you know every year it has gone up by a couple of thousand crores no now the uh, rather to say that the funding is coming under scrutiny like there is kind of an accountability like you have to account for funds what you have received and things like that earlier it used to be a different case 
so now they are feeling the heat of it exactly so that is one reason like um, um, see uh, indira jay singh she used to get uh, funds from even ford foundation you and uh, she and anand grover they have uh, an ngo called uh, lawyers collective this uh, um, in, in 2016 november i think she has received a notice from government saying that uh, your uh, ngo is suspended and ever since she has been really very vocal against the government the sanand grover is the one who has like knocked doors of supreme court in the midnight for uh, yakub menum memon handle so these are the kinds of connects they have like i i um, these people are really so smart that they can explore all the kinds of loopholes which are there because they have been and uh, this ideology has been like uh, really um, been imbibed by the people who are like well placed they are uh, well read and know the nitty gritties of law and legal activism has been the forefront of this the uh, cabal or the biggest asset of this cabal so that is how uh, they have been pushing around in for upsc e- exam among the recommended newspaper and magazine epw and hindu. hindu so uh, yeah that's what very like uh, very ex- <laughs> so yeah. see the, uh, the alternative narratives are so to say that you, we have so many <laughs> economic uh, policies by the right wingers but never none of them have been ever acknowledged like uh, uh, shanai or pc mahlon pc or jag um, jag jagdish um, bhagwat none of these people's uh, economic policies were never appreciated in india so that is the kind like uh, for all these years all those uh, things uh, all those uh, narratives or ideologies which are different to their leftist na- uh, uh, ideologies were have been like uh, really trampled a quotation that i read on the internet by some american politician that uh, american pop- people will never really accept uh, socialism or communism willingly but under the name of liberalism socialist ideas will be implemented in american policies uh, day after day bit by bit until one day america will become a communist country and nobody will realize how it became so so my question is that with the amount of influence that these leftists have over the academia and the media and all sorts of institutions including the judiciary everywhere and not just in india but in uk us everywhere yes. so has communi- has communist or has communism won the cold war have they won the cold war <laughs> no it's been a spent force now nobody like uh, uh, subscribes to communism but in the media and the in the media it is there see there is a rise of uh, right wingers across europe in almost all the countries hungary, hungary germany is uh, now um, angela merkel is being meant <laughs> her no the fact that the has come it was a clear uh, demarcation that people of the liberals is under question see the utopian ideology has uh, was like uh, caught like a fire uh, or like inspired these people who thought like equality <coughs> is something which is like 
really the best goal to be achieved but when you come to reality you realize that you can never have that kind of an equality what is being like uh, uh, postulated it is very difficult so when you come to things uh, when you examine the practical realities are something really very different from what the ideology expounds so that is the difference it is the link between the practical implementation and conceiving an idea the ideology as such is really very good fascinating but uh, how far is it uh, applicable to the real lives or real life situations is the question so to say that what I am saying is like it has been popular among the people who are highly read even Harvard University is considered to be hub of leftists okay so these kind of a things or the nuances in project in presenting an aspect has been like uh, uh, they have mastered this kind of a communication uh, in this kind of a communication so they are able to indoctrinate even you can see that uh, since 2014 there has been like a small wave which which is there in uh, which is across uh, social media either in facebook or twitter constantly barraging you with uh, uh, things like is your religion being scientific continuously pounding you with the questions like uh, what do you get out of your religion do you subscribe subscribe to this and constantly highlighting the kind of a uh, uh, bad things in your religion specifically what is what is this? what is it all about so it is like a kind of a phenomena which ha they have been trying to push and it is for us to be on guard and to mean, uh, constantly ask ourselves like what is there or the better way would be to knowing more about our roots when it comes to like uh, our religion especially the hindu bashing has become uh, fashionable thing yeah i'm not too sure about that because um, i mean a lot of people like for example recently i was speaking to my own parents for that matter um, we had visited haridwar and the roads were terrible terrible completely horrifyingly terrible no, so the point is that i think we have to combine the old and the new somehow not just an indic narrative but there has to be somewhere there has to be an emphasis on development but also recognizing that we've had a past you know there's some tradition that existed but also acknowledging that there were corruptions in the traditions which i mean any any hierarchical system or traditional system over time gets corrupted i mean that's a fact any bureaucracy any level of people if you put more than five people in any place it gets corrupted so i think the narrative should be more about combining the good and the past and also accepting changes, the new, so-called new gods of today, so technology, development, all those things. So some, somewhere we need a syncretic message rather than a... No, 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 I'm saying it has to be more of both instead of more of just one. See. Exactly. That, so yeah, it has to be, yeah, exactly. Somewhere, yeah, I guess 
somewhere when we uh, my point being that somewhere when we push only the indian narrative people think it's not development oriented that's what i'm saying i guess see it no, is no but the no what they think is important because other other than that it doesn't really make an impact the the message doesn't really make an impact i mean i was debating my own parents yes and they it was difficult to convince them with let's say just arguments about our indic uh, culture that's about it that's what i'm saying but when i came to other arguments it it, it was a little better that's what i'm saying see uh, my way of uh, let me put it this way do you think that a, uh, a ceo of a startup com company or like a, a startup space uh, institute uh, uh shouldn't go to a temple or uh, chant his uh, prayers or uh, read the bhagavad gita or no more about our upanishads or vedas so the, no 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 what i'm saying is i'm i mean what i mean to say is it's like part of it's our way of life yes. so what i'm saying is like just we have to make it part of our lives not going back to narratives in the sense like not completely like uh, uh, burying ourselves in that it's not that we should be leading our lives but we should be knowing what is it and making it a part of our lives then no, both of them can exist in synchrony